Welcome to this episode of the Ghost Stories podcast. It's going to be a really interesting one, I think, featuring a guest today who knows a lot about tax, a lot about government budgeting and what that means for all of us. And, and obviously, with the budget speech coming up, State of the Nation address is just behind us now. now. This is an important time for South Africa. It's an election year. There's a lot of pressure on a lot of listed companies in this space, a lot of concern around what the future might hold. And guess what? Stage six load shedding. So it's a difficult time. And uh, Tasha's Trust, Senior Manager in the Tax Consulting Team at Mazars, thank you for being willing to do this with me as a bit of a budget preview and hopefully just helping the listeners understand a little bit more about why this month is so important other than, you know, Valentine's Day. There's some other stuff going on this month that is rather important, isn't there? Yeah, thanks for having me. No, definitely. I think for for, for people in the tax fraternity, it's always a you're a bit of a rock star during this time. Uh, got people want to know a lot about you. So yeah, th- thanks. I'm looking forward to the chat. Yes, this is your time to shine in the media. February every year, I love it. <laughs> so maybe you know, let's let's start there with why that happens. You know, what is it about February? It's State of the Nation address. Then it's the budget speech. For those who don't necessarily understand how this all fits together, maybe it's worth just a couple of minutes there explaining why this is all such important stuff. Yeah, so National Treasury gets two opportunities per year to discuss uh, South Africa's financial position and, and provide that that feedback to, to South Africans. And February is the, is, is the big one. It's a February budget speech, which where, where they discuss how the projections are looking, where the money will be, be coming from, where, how expenditure will be, be spent, on, in what departments, and yeah, just looking at the at the financial situation. The, the the other one we look at is the midterm budget policy statement, which which takes place in October. But that's more of an update to see where we are in the process, um, how are collections looking, and specifically why it is in February. I mean, the SARS, who is the tax collector, which most people are aware of, they, their year end runs at the end of March. So usually you can see at this time how collections have have come in. Uh, what we need to project, and specifically how we're going to spend it. Yeah, it's almost like an AGM for the country, except uh, you know, there's some difficulties here. <laughs> there's no shareholders in South Africa. You know, we won't get into politics on this show. You know, there's definitely a view out there that maybe those who pay tax should have more of a vote, or whatever the case may be. As I say, we won't get into any of that here. But this is about as close as it gets to sort of an annual report for South Africa, isn't it? 100%. And I move away from the word shells and rather point to the word stakeholders because there's so many people involved and the public need to know how tax money is being spent and how we're going to work with the with the money that, that has been provided to us in order to grow the economy. I think that's the, the main focus that of any national treasury is how do you wisely spend the money to grow the economy to obtain further tax revenue and further grow. But that's the situation and the trouble that South Africa has been running into the, the last couple of years. Yeah, so you've touched on a really important point, which is the different stakeholders. And I think it is worth just spending a, a moment on that because obviously, you know, depending on what your special interest is, you're going to look at different parts of the budget. So for example, you know, environmental groups will very, very carefully square down on or, or will very carefully focus on, you know, what is happening in terms of incentives for solar all the way through to, you know, what is government doing about any other environmental related issues in the country. And then you get the way more high level stuff, which is just generally speaking, how is the money being spent? What does this mean for the South African taxpayer? What does this mean for the South African unemployed person who is dependent on government grants? Of course, in some respects, they have the opposite view to the taxpayer who's getting squeezed for this money. And then it's going elsewhere, you know, and it becomes very political very, very quickly. Obviously, with 
different political parties having a different view on, you know, who they're trying to appeal to. Are they trying to appeal to your sort of working class? Is it more populism and trying to uplift people from very low levels of income if they're lucky through to at least having a decent life, you know, and so it goes on social media and everything goes a little bit nuts. But one thing we can all agree on, I think, is that sentiment at the moment for South Africa is not good. I think it's almost directly linked to how much electricity there is. I mean, I can see it in my own business. When there's been lights on for a few weeks, suddenly there's activity, there's advertising, there's brand partners, people want stuff, they're growing. It takes like a week of stage six load shedding and everyone is Googling, you know, how quickly can I move to Australia and what is the weather like in Canada? And that's just the reality, right? I think the electricity is is really, really tough. I, I try not to think about what's coming down the line in terms of water. Now, obviously, Transnet is a huge issue for corporates. And there's really a lot going on out there in terms of state-owned enterprises. So sentiment is negative. But what are some of the things that you think, you know, government can do in this budget at the moment to try and just improve sentiment? I mean, is it as easy as just throw everything at ESCOM or is there more to it than that? Yeah, I mean, the problem is you, you, you can't just throw money at, at situations because there is not that much to go around. So you have to be careful with where you're going to put, be putting your resource and what and what you will be prioritizing. But I think from my point of view, it's important that that National Treasury puts or at least demonstrate that they're going to put the country first above political interests in this environment. As you pointed out, it is an election year. That makes the budget speech always a very fine balancing act because you want to keep the voter base happy. And yes, the voter base is a large portion of it is people that are on grants, but you don't want to delve the South African fiscal position into complete chaos. So you've got to really, really balance that finely. And that's just what I want to see. I want to see them take some probably some drastic decisions and thereby trying to curtail effects of, for example, load shedding, because that is the major uh, talking point at the moment, specifically because we've just gone back to, to stage six. But I mean, if we look at, at, at load shedding specifically, exactly a year ago in last year's budget, they tried to alleviate some of the pressure from the energy crisis by providing incentives for, for solar, for residential, and then the, the, for the renewables, they had something larger in the form of Section 12BA. And what you actually want to see is that they maybe at a minimum extend that in, in this environment, but actually you want to make it even more attractive so there's a better uptake so you can still put less pressure on, on, on ESCOM and thereby, as you've pointed out, as soon as the ESCOM or the energy crisis, as soon as we've got a couple of weeks without load shedding, the, the sentiment just changes. People get positive. Uh, as, you, as you point out, people have to stop thinking about the diesel that they maybe have to buy for the generators. So it's just that money can then all of a sudden flow to other areas of the economy. So that is the main point in order to improve sentiment, definitely. Yeah, I saw someone on on Twitter, as it's called X these days, basically just wrote, you know, if there was just a party and all they said was, we will fix ESCOM, I would vote for them. And I think that that sentiment is actually pretty pervasive across South Africans at the moment because these state-owned enterprise failures are affecting absolutely everyone from the richest of the rich and what's happening to their businesses right down to the poorest of the poor and what is happening to inflation and food availability and energy costs and people investing and creating jobs. Energy is life. And it just feels like, yeah, that, that's got to be the focus area. I mean, it is mildly hysterical that stage six returned within what, like 24 hours after they had parked the jets there in Lanaban after they'd figured out each year that they work. They always fly over my house for state of the nation. So that's my only highlight really for Sona is uh, you know, it's the sound of the jets. 
<laughs> so yeah, I, I think that's got to be the focus, eh? No, definitely. I, I mean, uh, you you're pointing out just how state-owned ent- entities affect everyone. I mean, if you if you look at the transnet situation, too, I mean, they're big, large businesses that 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 need to make use of the ports. And if your ports aren't working correctly, you have an issue. The, the, the goods can't be shipped out. You're not getting the export. You're not getting that money into the country. Maybe some goods that you need to import at a cheap price not coming in. That probably also, like you said, affects your your your, your the poor as they're not getting uh, goods at a, at a cheaper price, affecting inflation. I mean, all of this just has a knock-on effect. So you've got to get your state and enterprises running smoothly. I think let's move on to another topic that is always present when talking about the South African fiscus, and that is just the pressure on middle-income earners. And I can see that pressure coming through in all kinds of listed company results. I mean, just one example is Kiro last week, uh, you know, and just talking about they're not necessarily filling the schools up as quickly as they would like. And yes, there might be a hundred reasons for that. But one thing that I think is an impact is the pressure on middle-income South Africans, immigration as a result of that. I mean, would you say that trend has been observable in in recent budgets, just trying to extract more and more and more from an ever an ever pressured tax base, I suppose. Yeah, you point out middle income, but I, I, to be honest, I believe all all income earners or all tax paying people do get squeezed during during the the, the past budgets, specifically just about higher personal income taxes. So, I mean, we we did see well, that was it's been quite a while back where we saw the increase in the in the VAT rate. They haven't touched on it since because of the backlash that was associated with it. So it's been a it's it's been a aspect where they, they they keep tinkering with the personal income tax rates, and that does have the effect of people just having less money in their pockets, even if it's by increases in in specifically in a tax rate, or just by what we refer to as bracket creep, where they don't adjust the brackets the tax brackets for if inflationary increases. So it does definitely have an effect, and and I mean you touched on the on on the concept of of immigrations. There's so many people immigrating. Uh, there's so many that are, are on our desk that we're assisting with. But it's interesting to see it's not necessarily just your extreme ultra high net worth individuals. But yes, sometimes it is someone out of the middle class who just they don't find the job opportunities and they um and they they need to yeah you know, they need to find an an, an alternative. Similar to the way you grow your economy, you grow your economy by your small and medium businesses growing rapidly. And similarly, you need your middle class individuals also having a good affordability and, and, and using their money in South Africa. But yeah, I, I mean, it is, it's definitely, as you said, it is a trend that it's going to be a hard squeeze. It's going to be always have an effect on them and they're going to have to, yeah look at their money wisely, I think. And the immigration issue is not just physical, right? I mean, it's very easy to find somewhere nice to live in South Africa if you have a lot of money, but your money might not be here with you anymore. I think a lot of people obviously just taking, you know, the maximum amount they can every year offshore. And that's money, you know, that 10 or 11 million rand is is not being invested here. It's being shifted offshore and put into an S&P 500 tracker. And obviously that is causing all of these problems from the bottom up around unemployment, lack of economic growth. It's, it feels like a very large ship that needs to turn around. And like a large ship, that's going to take time. It will, most definitely will take time, but it's, it's not impossible. I mean, if the right decisions are made and there, there, there is a, the, you know, there, there's the political will to, to, to make some, some tough decisions, it's definitely something that, that, that can be turned around. I'm still very positive about South Africa and, and, and its outcome. But it does have it does have matters that need to be addressed much sooner rather than later. Yeah, South Africa is a bit like one of those sort of broken growth stocks on the market where the share prices come off really hard. There's definitely upside. It just requires 
the right management team to come in and actually do the right things. And suddenly that, that business just pops, you know, that share price has doubled in a year and you, you ask yourself how you missed it and what happened. Feels like that's the story with South Africa at the moment. You know, I think a lot of us who are still here are optimistic, otherwise we would have left, right? I mean, there's very much been this kind of, this big immigration story of the past two decades. If you really didn't want to be here, a lot of those people have now, you know, moved on and, and found what they perceive to be greener pastures. Those who have stayed behind have stayed behind for a reason. You know, I also like to believe that things can come right, but I do also think we're getting closer and closer to a tipping point. The state-owned enterprises really are just a disaster. Uh, you know, Transnet has become as big an issue as ESCOM these days. People just don't feel it every day because, you know, Transnet can't turn your lights off, whereas ESCOM can. But Transnet can turn the lights off on the mining industry if they don't sort out what's happening. And obviously exports and commodity exports are a huge part of our economic story, right? I mean, that's a pretty big source of tax revenue. Yeah, well, that's it's interesting that you bring that up. We, I mean, the, the one aspect we had is we had some good windfall of tax revenue about a, a couple of years or a year ago, where we saw actually South Africa have a, a surplus in, 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 in tax revenue, mainly due to the commodity super cycle. What, what what we did find thereafter was that National Treasury budgeted as if that would just remain, which was which I found extremely interesting. So we so in October we heard the news that we about what I think it was about sixty billion behind uh, collections, which was obvious because your 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 minds can't can't go on at this rate. And as you've pointed out, there are some structural issues with with stated entities that have impact on it. So it is a matter of concern, but at least the positive that we've seen is that from a value added tax and a personal income tax that has remained pretty pretty stable and collections have been uh, seem to be reaching targets, but these are still the revised targets that were set in October. So in my opinion, I think we're looking at that uh, in, in, at a situation that we might meet or slightly surpass the revised target set in October, but we have the issue that the February target that was set will definitely not be reached. Yeah, unfortunately, commodity cycles are cycles for a reason. When times are good, we need to maximize it. And obviously our, our infrastructure lets us down there, but you know, it still looks good because we're still making a lot of money. It's just not as much as we could have made. Unfortunately, when those commodity prices, then, you know, the tide goes out and then you absolutely have to be as efficient as possible. That's when things start to look really bad. You know, that's when it really comes to light, just how much of an issue the infrastructure actually is and whether or not it's economic sabotage and, and everything else and the words that get thrown around. I guess we have to acknowledge that between ESCOM and Transnet, there are some pretty big challenges at the moment, and they really do need to be fixed as a matter of great urgency. But there are other areas where you know the government could focus on and could have a positive impact. So if it was me, for example, if there was one area of the tax regime that I could maybe focus on making some changes, it would be to just encourage small businesses. Because I can tell you as a small business owner, there is nothing about our red tape regulatory regime that makes life easy. Absolutely nothing. We're in a low growth economy, which makes it hard. We already have really poor state infrastructure, which makes it worse. And then on top of all of that, there are endless taxes and they always seem to get worse. The compliance burden is enormous. And there just aren't really any tax breaks for actually being a small business trying to grow the economy ground up, which is why I think a lot of higher net worth individuals will rather send their money overseas than invest it in South African businesses. It's my view, at least. And I'm interested to get yours, you know, if you could change one area of the tax regime or focus on something specific, you know, if you could get your one idea to kind of go into the budget and be implemented properly, 
what would you focus on? Well, I mean, it's interesting you point out from the small business, the, comp- the compliance burden. I, I, I had a discussion with a friend of mine. I mean, he had, he had the exact same same questions. Just on, a, on a, for example, people that might be registered for VAT, just trying not to get into a VAT refund situation because of all the questions that come associated with it. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely understand that. But from my point of view, I think... If I'm, if I'm looking at National Treasury and what they need to do, I mean, in October, we heard they need to obtain somehow an additional 15 billion in, in tax revenue, and that would be take place in the form of, of tax increases somewhere. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's going to be in the form of bracket creep. We've seen it done in the past. It's, it's, it's a simple way. You're getting about 16 to 18 billion rand from it. Because they only need 15, they might give it a little bit of relief to the, to the lowest uh, income tax bracket just to want to get, get that, that, that populist populist vote. But from, from just trying to obtain additional revenue, I've always been someone that, that wants the VAT system slightly re-looked at. Just because it's low-hanging fruit, it's easy tax revenue to collect and maybe looked at a, a look at a proper tiered rate type of system. I know, once again, this probably talks against the, the, the compliance aspect we were talking about previously, but South Africa does need additional tax revenue and it needs to spend it wisely because what, what South Africa is doing at the moment is just borrowing more from, from the bond markets and that's not sustainable. I mean, our debt to GDP ratio is deemed to, in, when they stated in October, to, to peak at about 78%. I think they're going to be borrowing more so that it's probably going to peak over, over 80 but if you actually look at rather not borrowing more, but just re-looking at the VAT and, and like I said, a tiered rate going for some, we do have the zero rated items, but maybe expanding that list, then having a 5% for other items and then having like a, an extreme 20% for some luxury items. You can actually collect more from, once again, it's, it's populist, it would work because it's the, your, your rich would be spending on the, on the higher VAT rate. So that's something that I've always been looking, wanting Treasury to look into, or at least someone, for example, we've had the Davis Tax Committee look into aspects of, of changes within the regime. But I want someone to do a proper deep dive analysis on how that would look and is it is it viable? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I really do. Last question, and then uh, we can cap it there. NHI, there's no ways that we can get through this podcast, I think, without mentioning the specter of NHI, and, and maybe you have a different view on it. I mean, it, it seems certainly based on my peer group, it's a really simple equation you know, if the day ever comes where there is no option of private quality healthcare in South Africa, that will be the final wave of immigration. Like that, that view among my peer group is absolutely consistent. I'm guessing it's probably the same among yours, but you're welcome to tell me otherwise. Your views on NHR, do you think this is just cheap politicking that'll never actually happen? Do you think this is real? Yeah, this is always an interesting topic and, and something that comes up annually. I think my, my summary of NHI is that it's, it's always attracted a lot of comment outside of the budget speeches. In other words, not, not during February and not during October. And if you look at, at what, what we refer to as the budget review document, which is published annually with the budget speeches, over the past, I think, three years, you, if, you will find that NHI will be mentioned maybe once with a short little sentence on they're looking at it or they're looking at how it will be done, but nothing further. And I've always been of the view that that's Treasury's subtle method to state that NHI is probably not, cannot be afforded at this time. They don't have sufficient tax revenue to make such a move. I, I mean, if we even look at what was said by President Ramaphosa during the SONA, it was made clear that this is, they're going to be phasing it in. It's not going to come in as a blanket, say, here you go, NHI, you've got it. So that that's always been my case that there is there there, there are people that that are making some 
tough decisions, but they are thinking it through. It's not it's not something that's just going to be thrown in. But at the same thing, I think obviously the, the, the point of the NHI is how will it be funded? Because there's nowhere where we can really obtain additional tax revenue. And they've always held the, the medical tax credit as that would be used to fund NHI. And people have asked me, okay, but how will they fund this, like, like I said, this 15 billion that they're looking for now, will they be removing the medical tax credit? And I said, no, that, that'll always be coupled with NHI and they'll, and they'll wait until they really want to pull the trigger when they implement NHI to remove medical tax credit. So yeah, I, I think we're probably going to find more of the same during this budget speech. It's going to be something that might be mentioned, get, get a paragraph or two, but then we're just going to kick it down the curb another year because there's a lot more to focus on at the, at the moment, especially in an in a election year. Yeah, that's a very practical view. It's what I was hoping you would say. So nice to hear that. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, sanity prevails over the years to come. I suppose we'll find out. Tashis, I think that's about as much time as we have. But before I let you go, in terms of people finding you, and, and, and I'm guessing there's a full suite of tax services on offer from Mazars. So perhaps just 30 seconds on that and then, you know, where people can reach out to you for assistance with tax. Yeah, I mean, everyone probably through your podcast should know a lot about Mazars. But yeah, we, we I, me specifically, I'm based out in Cape Town, but we work as a as a national team. Our tax consulting practice has a lot of functions. We, we, we are transfer pricing. I'm, I'm specifically on direct and international tax. Indirect taxes is also something that we cover and, and private clients, global mobility our private client functioning with immigration. So we do give a whole uh, suite of, of tax consulting services and anyone can find me. I, I mean, they can just give me a Google. They'll find my name somewhere. And then it's obviously Tasha's Trust. At tashes.truth at mazars.co.za if they want to send me an email directly. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Good luck with your Rockstar Month. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and we'll, uh, we'll see what comes out of the budget speech. Should be interesting. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you.